0: We never walked on my moon. Elvis ain't
1: dead, you ain't going crazy. It's all in your head. It's all interpretation. Oh my. To find the truth, you gotta read between the lines. Dang it, Bobby Work out your own salvation. You are the best of white people. My <laughs> path is hard to find. Every small that I place is a state of my mind.
0: That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Jerry, just remember it's not a lie
1: if you believe it.
0: You should never be allowed to talk to people.
1: There is a fine line between genius and madness.
0: Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, passes pariah.
1: God bless America.
0: Mark, back in the early 70s, Ray Stevens. Had a yeah. huge hit record with the Streak. Yes, he had had a number of hits with politically incorrect and funny. When we back back when our country used to have a sense of humor, they had the yeah. Arab Guitarzan. And he, he had a slew, and he had of course had a beautiful voice and an ability to sing. And you know, he sang some really wonderful tunes. But people loved the comedy. Matter of fact, you and I had so much fun with it one day a few years ago, just talking about him. That we ended up doing like a whole Ray Stevens retrospective, you know, and talking (laughs) about going and seeing him in Nashville, and people tuning in were thinking he was dead, you know, that we were doing (laughs) that. And uh, anyway, but it was one of those things when he did the streak. It was the zeitgeist of the moment. For some reason, in nineteen seventy-one, two, three, somewhere in there, it became a thing to strip down and run naked in front of a group of people. Go figure. And yeah, it it was like. Even the song The Streak mocked them, you know, for, what are you doing? You know, why are you, and when it happened to a streaker at the Academy Awards running behind David Niven, I mean, that's when you wished for live TV, because that could have been funny, but <laughs> it's like now we've kind of come full circle. Back then, you a security guard would have to, like, touch the person. They'd have to tackle them, and they're naked, and you don't want to tackle a naked guy. But dudes don't like to tackle naked guys. It's not grease, okay? We don't do that here. and. <laughs> Now there's a naked man in Seattle. And all I'm thinking oh. of is naked man in Seattle goes into a JCPenney and starts touching people. And it becomes chaotic because in this politically correct city of Seattle, where they believe in fairness for everybody, everybody making $15 an hour minimum wage and the whole nine, right? And, and you know, taxing sodas because they're bad for you and just doing all these horrible liberal pinko commie things. What did they do? You would think they would they would look at this naked man in the JCPenney and say, you know what? He's just identifying as a child, as a baby. He's identifying as a, a person who doesn't like to wear clothing. He is, I did, this is how he feels. Let him do it. That's what one would expect out of Seattle. He got a Birmingham, Alabama beatdown, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, this dude, holy free holies, Mark. Um, yeah, it went crazy on naked man. Just say that when you get to the core of every liberal, there is still this heart and soul of an American that says, you cannot do that. You have gone too far. Now, if this naked guy comes out and says, but I identify as a naked woman, will he have a lawsuit against the city and the people who attacked him? Just a thought.
1: Mm. So now attorneys from the Pacific Northwest are all scratching their, their, (laughs) their foreheads and thinking, Hey, what's that guy's number? <laughs> yeah. But meanwhile, they're going, the guy
0: was, he, he was actually identifying as somebody having a mental crisis. So that's uh, what they're labeling yeah. this as. And, uh, you know, if you go nuts and start, uh, you know, swinging on people naked in a JCPenney, you deserve whatever beating comes your way. As uh, matter of fact, think I'm, I'm thinking you're asking for it. Yeah. But it just goes to show you that no matter what people up in the Pacific Northwest claim, they, they're the same. They, mm-hmm. they can't, I mean, I wonder, how can you tell us it's okay to allow a child to determine because they're a boy and they like to play with dolls, you know, that they identify as a girl and they should change their name and not tell their parents. And, you know, let's have these, take these drugs that'll ruin you for life and yeah. let's really mess with your psyche. That's all okay. But a naked guy running through a, a naked adult in a Penny requires a beatdown.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's a weird world we live in. It really is. <laughs> what was it? It's a mad, 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 mad world. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I thought it was funny. I'm just thinking that guy's that guy's showing up at the police station covered in bruises. Mm -hmm. Just his, you know, black eye, bloody nose, all nine yards. (laughs) What happened? He tripped (laughs) over the curb. He tripped. Really? Yeah, (laughs) twelve times. (laughs) He's gonna need to
0: go to the dentist too, because he tried to eat the curb. Just saying. You know what's funny, Mark? Um (laughs) yesterday, uh morning, Caitlin Armstrong. Caitlin Armstrong is a uh a cyclist, an American motor uh, bicycle rider over okay. terrain, and she's accused of murdering her romantic rival, Mo Wilson, in uh, Austin, oh Texas, a year ago. And she went on the lam after the murder. Um, they were both uh, both into the same dude, but let to pause for
1: just a moment and point out the fact that yes, Dave just said
0: on the lam. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Because that's what she did. She went on the <laughs> lamb. I actually wrote a piece for crime online on the lamb. I'm not on getting the lamb. Yeah. But I misspelled lamb. I spelled it like Jesus lamb, not on the run,
1: <laughs> like a baby sheep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no B on the end of this version. No. no, it's just
0: on the run. Anyway, she was gone for 43 days. She got plastic surgery and uh, was caught in Costa Rica, you know, in a teaching yoga or something. Anyway. Wow. I know you, this is the difference in our world. If it's a crime, I have to know these details. Yes, you, you do. You, you're looking at me going, huh, is this the same person that faked her own kidnapping in Birmingham last year? No. <laughs> anyway, so Caitlin Armstrong, they finally get her in Costa Rica. They bring her back to Austin, Texas. She's waiting trial. Her trial is supposed to begin at the end of this month. Um, they took her. She had to go for a medical treatment yesterday, a doctor's visit. And uh, two deputies escorted her. She's in her prison outfit, black or black and white jail outfit. She's still in county jail because she has not been adjudicated yet. So she's in county waiting for trial on $3.5 million bond, which essentially means you ain't getting out. <laughs> you're going to sit Rough here yeah. through the trial. And after you're guilty, you're going to prison. See, your last days of freedom are over already. And anyway, she decides to make a run for it after they get out of the doctor's office. So you've got two deputies. They're escorting this woman to the police car to take her back to the county jail and she looks both ways and takes off running and dude they're gonna they they made it sound like they the police there said she was never out of our sight we always knew where she was um we rounded her up right away not a big deal but then i actually went a little deeper and a little closer <laughs> and i zeroed in on the area the neighborhood using the little uh, uh yeah yeah the google, google thing google yeah and I'm looking and going she got she got away from them in a neighborhood she was away from them for over 10 minutes, enough time that in all points went out. Wow. Everybody come that, you know, what is she wearing? She's wearing, t- you know, jail, uh, inmate, inmate, black and white, you know, 10 minutes, she, at least she was on the lamb again and, uh, was hiding out. I don't, and the thing is, is that the deputies who lost her, caught her and a few other people showed up to help as well. Deputies, police officers, what have you. And, and if she was never out of their sight, they were never in fear of losing her and you've got two you know deputies to put handcuffs back on her and get her to the car you're not really thinking much of a tussle but since they called in all these other guys um they had to actually after they got her wrapped up they had to stop off back by the hospital she had to get <laughs> checked out she apparently tripped and
1: fell into a curb <laughs> so there you go like my old friend, the pastor used to say, yep. who used to be a cop, don't run from the cops. It just yeah. makes them mad.
0: It, <laughs> it just takes them off, man. It's like now they're burping donut. They got coffee on them. It's just that's not a good right. morning. Yep. And that's it. So there you have it. That's the uh, Caitlin Armstrong story of the day. Wow. And they just, when I saw that thing that it took extra, That the police are claiming she was never out of their sight, never anything. And then I listened to the dispatch. You got dispatch coming from the city, dispatch coming from the county, and they're calling all everybody, which means they, they're, she's on, she's on the loose yeah, and this is, her. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she <laughs> evaded capture for 43 days. Okay.
1: That's funny. On a
0: worldwide APB, she survived. And so it, there's a little weary. I, now the big thing is, will she actually end up with her court date, October 30th, or will they now charge her with escape? And because this escape becomes, look, man, you're facing a murder charge. I don't think she's really worried about the extra few years on an escape charge, on top of, you know, yeah. that it's going to run cons- concur- concurrently anyway. Anything you charge mm-hmm. her with now is going to run concurrent to the murder charge. So. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. Yikes. So there you have it. There you have it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, back <laughs> at the ranch,
1: what's happening with uh, Israel, Mark? Uh, well, I, first up, we got a couple of things that mm-hmm. kind of popped up here at the last minute for us. Um, yeah. Uh, first, Hamas. Is apparently calling for a global day of jihad coming up uh, on Friday the 13th, which would be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, Worldwide jihad. Excuse me. Uh, Hang on a second. For some reason, Sirius decided to be chatting this
0: morning. Worldwide jihad. Yes. um, Does that that mean all the ones that have been
1: skipping into here uh, over our southern border? I would think probably so. Uh Uh, Coming from uh, Breitbart.com uh, the Palestinian Hamas terror group hey, known as brief, Hamas. Brief stop. Is, yes. Do you think, do you think Breitbart was murdered? I'm just curious. Um, I, I have my very strong suspicions that it was very fishy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. But just ahead. saying. Sorry. Just, I just, I'm just I've saying.
0: never asked yeah. you that. I was curious. I'm yeah, usually the one that goes, well, of course he was because <laughs> yeah, Lee Harvey the, <laughs> Oswald rolled over in his <laughs> yeah, grave, called Jack exactly Ruby right. and they met yes. Jim Morrison and flew <laughs> yeah. across the Atlantic with the Uh, ever ever, was the woman Amelia
1: Earhart. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, (laughs) Anyway, Hamas has called on Muslims worldwide to stage a day of jihad or a holy war on Friday, October 13th. Coincidentally, a date that resonates with horror movies and the upcoming Halloween holiday. Um, Hamas referred to the day as Al Aqsa flood, uh, Friday, referring to the name of the operation in which it murdered more than 12 Hundred Israelis wounded, uh, wounded roughly three thousand, and kidnapped over a hundred. Uh, the Middle East Media Research Institute reported Hamas as saying the following: "We declare next Friday, the Friday of all." Al-Aqsa Flood, as a day of general mobilization in our Arab and Islamic world and among the free people of the world, it is a day to rally support, offer aid, and participate actively. It's a day to expose the crimes of the occupation, isolate it, and foil it as its aggressive schemes, uh, foil all its uh, aggressive schemes. It is a day to demonstrate our love for Palestine, Jerusalem, and Al-Aqsa. It is a day for sacrifice, heroism, and dedication, and to earn the honor of defending the firsts Kibla uh, of Muslims, the third holiest mosque, and the ascension of the trusted messenger. Mm. The ascension of the, in other words, yeah. in other words, he ascended. Yeah. Muhammad yeah. ascended. Uh, yeah. There's only one who did that. And we actually yeah. have eyewitnesses. Um, they go on to say, we call the free people of the world to mobilize in solidarity with our Palestinian people in support of their just cause and legitimate rights to freedom, independence, return, and self-determination. Uh, they also called on Palestinians within the West Bank, um, known to Israelis as Judea and Samaria, to rise up against Israeli soldiers and called on Arab citizens of Israel, quote, our people within the occupied territories of 1948, end quote, to revolt against the state uh, in the entertainment industry. Friday, the th- again, never mind that. That's all just yeah. junk. But, right. So they're calling for a, uh, a big day on Friday, which could result in some nastiness. We'll have to see. Hmm. Well, I, we've had these threats before,
0: mm-hmm. but I don't know whether they're stopped or whether we don't hear about them. I don't know. I, I, I know how we get lied to on a daily basis by the media and being a part of the media. I feel like I'm calling us liars, but I feel like we're standing here. Yeah. You know, we're like Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And it just gets old after a while, but I'm about tired of threats. I don't like living with threats. You know, I remember um, my friend in high school, uh, I learned about threatening and and it's something I did not do with my children because of this. When my buddy Scott was uh, 17 his parents had bought him a a Volkswagen Beetle, an old one, and um, he did something they didn't like, you know, and, and they threatened to take his car away. And I was there when this happened and he, he wasn't being a snot about it. Okay. And he was in trouble, (laughs) And he did do something stupid to warrant the trouble, but they threatened the car. And he said, look, I have a job after school. I'm trying to make money, I'm trying to build a future. But if every time I do something you don't like, you're gonna threaten me with taking away the car, which makes me immediately think I have to call somebody to cover my shift as a barback or whatever he was at a restaurant, you know? And he just told me, he said, it, if, take it back. If you're gonna hang this over my head, that every time I do something you don't like, you're gonna threaten to take the car away. I'd rather not have it. I can't, I have to be able to depend on it. So try another route, you know, threaten something else. This isn't going to work with me anymore. And I have actually approached life like that ever since. And it was one of the greatest little experiences of my life because parents like to threaten terrorists like to threaten, but oftentimes they threaten to keep you in line. And ultimately it's like, take away the threat. Just tell them, look, we're done with you guys. Okay. We're going to start killing you. And we're going to just go ahead and treat you like you treat everybody else. We are not going to acquiesce to your desires. We're not going to give you what you claim is yours because it isn't. And as soon as we have a leader, and by the way, the last one we had like that was Donald Trump, the only one that ever defunded any of the Palestinian area. He's the right. only cat that ever stood up against that. Yep. Um. And you know, you have Donald Trump for four years and this stuff doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You have Biden for four years and it's crazy time again. Everything's yeah. gone berserk ever since Biden's been in office. The wheels, it's everything that can hurt you and me from the food. Think about how much food has gone up. That's mm-hmm. domestic terrorism, by the way, go look yeah. at how many yeah. food supply warehouses have been burned down since Biden took office. And it's not four or five. You would think that three, like two or three of these big, you know, centers where they move in the food and transport it all out. These hubs all over the country. Okay. If two or three of them burn, you could say, maybe electrical on one, maybe a, a prank got a hand on two, but when you're talking 50, 75, a hundred all over the country, and that's not a concerted effort. Why are we not hearing about this? I'm paying so much. There was a point in time where they wanted to five bucks for a dozen eggs. And yeah. it was because of these things. And yet anything that they can make happen to us, they do. They hurt the people. The Democrat party is bound and determined to hurt the American people to make our life tougher, to make our life more miserable. How high can we make gas prices go? Well, you shouldn't be driving a gas car. Well, you know what? Your electric car pollutes more than my gas car. Bottom line, bottom line, we got to stop these people. I don't believe there are 50% of the American people at all. I do not believe 50% of Americans go along with their claptrap at all.
1: No, no, I I can't believe that either. And there is a a method to the madness. There is a reason for all the pain. And the, you know, the, the reason is to, is for those who just trust government to rise up and demand that government help. Right. Which of course, government will say, sure, we can uh. do that, but we'll have to pass this law to make it happen, yep. which gives us more power. Yep. And when they get more power, you get less liberty. You get less, you get less freedom in your life because in order to do what they, what you tell them you want them to do, yep. they have to corral you in some way to keep you from doing what you want to do. Uh. Was it It, Ben Franklin
0: that said if a person is willing to give up freedom for security, he will deserve
1: and have neither something along those lines. It was Franklin. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely right. Um, we need to look back. I think, yes, just very quickly. I,
0: on, on Facebook right now, there's a picture in rocks and it looks like George Washington, um, I'm thinking later on today, this picture in gravel that looks like George Washington later on is going to look like Jesus and people are going to come and pray to it. So just throwing (laughs) it out there that uh, I might find a piece of toast that has the Messiah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's not not a
1: piece of toast or something (laughs) like that. It's it's gravel this time.
0: (laughs) Interesting. You know, I'm just wondering, you know, (laughs) it's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) So, well, uh, let's take a look back, shall we? Hop in the way back machine with Peabody and Sherman and um, and look at the history of what's happened with Israel, hey, we've got all this going on, and and as we've said a couple of times before, the reason that all of this is happening is because the Muslim nations, by and large, for the most part, see the land that they at one time in the hi- in the in their history occupied as theirs today. It's still their land. As I said, if there were just two left in the world, they'd be meeting in a Denny's mm-hmm. on Saturday talking about all that land that's theirs that everybody right. stole. Right? Wow. <laughs> so, Let's look back. Back in 1937, Arabs rejected the Peel Commission to create a Jewish and Arab state. Ten years later, they rejected the U.N. partition plan to create a Jewish and Arab state. They waged war against the new nation of Israel. They lost more land than the partition gave them. (laughs) They declared war. They lost and lost more land. (laughs) In 1967, Israel won yet another war against its Arab neighbors, conquering Gaza, the West Bank, and Sinai in a defensive war. By the way, keep in mind, anytime there is war between Israel and somebody else, it's a defensive war. They don't, you don't see them going on the offense. They're always being attacked. They're defending themselves. The Arab League declares the three no's, no peace with Israel, no recognition of Israel, no negotiations with Israel. Israel voluntarily hands control of the Temple Mount, the holiest site in Judaism, back to the Islamic waqf and make it illegal for Jews to pray there. In 1979, Israel, oh, by the way, there is the Yom Kippur War that happened in 1973 as well. I don't have all the details on that, but this was the 50th anniversary of that, right? which was, they struck on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. In 1979, Israel voluntarily handed over the Sinai Back to Egypt, returning land conquered in a defensive war. In 93, Israel recognized the sovereignty of the Palestinian Authority over the West Bank and Gaza Strip in the Oslo Accords. Yasser Arafat uses that to support terrorism. Mm -hmm. In 2000, Israel offered Yasser Arafat recognition of a Palestinian state in all of Gaza and 94 percent of the West Bank, with East Jerusalem as its capital. Arafat rejected it and launched the Second Intifada. In 2005, Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip, dismantled all of its settlements, and forced Jews to leave their homes. Palestinians responded by electing Hamas, who turned it into a terror state. Mm. In 2008, Israel offered Mahmoud uh, Mahmoud Abbas once again recognition of a Palestinian state in all of Gaza and 94% of the West Bank, with East Jerusalem as its capital, and even offered to dismantle all their settlements. And once again, the Palestinians rejected it. 2010 through 2021, Hamas launches periodic rocket attacks against the state of Israel and builds terror tunnels in order to kidnap and murder Jews while using the people of Gaza as human shields against the IDF. And then finally in 2023, just last week, Hamas commits the worst act of mass murder against the Jews since the Holocaust. Now, how do people
0: not understand that is the way this goes every time? Stop giving in. Stop trying to appease. And just have to say, no, you know, we're not playing your stupid made up game anymore. Yeah. I'm, look, love you, but you're being ridiculous and you're killing people, man. You can't yeah. do that. We'll put up with a lot of tar. We will put up with a lot. But we're done with you killing Jews for no reason other than the fact that you hate Jews. And when you run out of Jews, I know you'll go after the Christians. And then when you get tired of them, you'll go after the moderate Muslim. Just look yeah. at every country where Muslims gain control. What happens? War breaks out with all those around them.
1: They can't play nice with
0: anybody. They don't. It's they just, not, it's they yeah. it, What? think about it, man. It is not, it, it is not their. That's not their religion. It's not a religion of peace. No. That's the whole no. thing. You claim it. It's just, you, yeah. it's marketing one-on-one claim it over and over again. And eventually people will leave it. Well, actually look at the truth. Just study the truth. Study how it happened. I tell people this all the time with whether it's Mormonism or any other cult, any man-made religion, make sure that the man is in charge of everything. And the woman has to do whatever he says, by the way, in every man made religion, the man is, is above everything except God. And he can Mm -hmm. have as many sexual partners as he wants. And the women have to just go along with it, you know, and just take it. Watch sister wives, watch Mm -hmm. every Muslim nation. Okay. And it's like, that's, that's the thing. That's the first thing a man makes. Think about that, Mark. This is like, the. wait a minute. We took the dorky kids from 10th grade. And told them you cannot mature anymore all you can do is live (laughs) with acne and fat now what are you going to do boy i'm going to make sure that every girl in the world has to walk two steps behind me and i can do all i want with any of them they got to cover up you know (laughs) think about it it's made up by yeah Yeah. anyway we got to take a time out we'll come back with more crazy in a minute because this is the world we live in
1: i think it's just vapor vaping is safer than smoking isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right?
0: One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes.
1: My kid kid. kid. knows it's dangerous.
0: 5.4 million American kids vape and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. The Mark and Mac show. Mark, there was a movie came out in the early seventies called the Lords of Flatbush. You remember it? Uh, I do remember it. Yeah. It's funny because um, I I remember going to the movies and this is so funny because young people today, actually, you know what adults today, how, uh, you know, you're old when you say young people and you really mean people that are 40. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's kind of like, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, in the nineties. And you think about the nineties and forget the fact that it was 40 years ago.
0: Uh, uh, Oh, (laughs) whoa. Anyway, I remember in 1975 going to the movies and I wanted to see young Frankenstein or silver Mm -hmm. streak or something like that. And back then you would have movies playing. There would be a first run movie, a movie that was just out, but also depending on where you lived and the type of movie, there were also movies that actually had been out for a while and maybe were And in this case, I went, it was silver streak that I went to see, but also they were playing, um, young Frankenstein was playing on an, in another screen in that same theater and it was at a mall. And if you couldn't get into those, they had the Lords of Flatbush, which is like three years old at the time playing on another screen.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was funny because it was Sylvester Stallone and Henry Winkler in Lords of Flatbush. I think happy days had become a hit and that's why Lords of Flatbush was getting time back in the theaters. This is okay. right before home video hit, you know, right. Yeah, it's yeah. five, 10 years before home video, but I'm looking at and The reason I say it is, is it popped
1: up in one of my merchants of hold, speed can, memory. Hold, 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 hang on a second. I have to, I have to have a point of clarification. Kids home video oh. was <laughs> when your parents would hop in the car and go to a store yeah. and pay somebody money to rent a videotape, which had been watched on other people's VCRs, a, a videotape player. I have to explain a dozens of times and had little streaks in the video and didn't look right and wouldn't track properly, but you paid money to watch it and then Uh-oh. you had to rewind it before you took it back to the store or they would, they would you know charge you to rewind the tape. And by the way, just yeah. so you know, you, you mentioned they would charge you to rewind
0: the tape. They charge you for bringing it back late, but beyond that, you know, there's a movie true. called be kind rewind and it shows yes. you how it shows you how hard and long it is to get a movie made in Hollywood. It's a Jack Black movie. It came out at the height of Jack Black's comedic powers in the early two thousands, right after School of Rock. But the movie was titled "Be Kind Rewind." It was all about a dude working in a video store. In a video store, yeah. Rewinding tapes, and by (laughs) then we didn't rewind. By then there were no late fees. By then, Blockbuster said no more late fees. By by then, Blockbuster, no, we're not going to charge you for rewind. Just please rent a movie, you know, Mm because it was already done. By the time that movie came out, that was already a passe thing to say. But anyway. Yeah, but still, the Lords people of
1: then could remember all that.
0: Yes. It was in recent memory. Today,
1: not so much.
0: Yeah. If you're 30, year <laughs> under, you don't remember it. That's true. Anyway, as you were saying. The Lords of Flatbush playing in the theater. Yes. And what made me think of it was, that's how I saw it. Because the other movies were sold out, and I, I wanted to see that one. And it was right before Rocky, a year before Rocky came out and there was a guy named Perry King. See, the three guys, uh, Perry King, who became a TV star, okay, mm-hmm. blonde hair guy, Henry Winkler, who became the Fonz, and Sylvester Stallone, who played Rocky. All three of these guys are three of the four main characters in this movie, Lords of Flatbush. And it's a, not a bad film it, if you get a chance to watch it, but it is what it is. None of the guys were stars at the time. Thing yeah. is, is what hit me was, they put the effort in, they put the work in this was done the before they all became big. And the work they did then was just as hard. They did the best job they could. And the reason this movie is so big on it is because of Perry King. See, when Sylvester Stallone wrote the script for Rocky, he decided he had written it for himself. He wanted to play Rocky. He was an actor, right? He wanted to play Rocky and they were kind of like, well, No, it's a boxing movie where the dude loses. We can't put a no name actor in the title. We, we, you know, that's not going to work. But they believed in him, the guys at United Artists. uh, They believed in him and his abilities. Henry, uh, Erwin Winkler, Er, Reiner Winkler, that team of producers that produced all kinds of stuff, they believed in him. They wanted to make it work. So they decided to screen the Lords of Flatbush for the heads of uh, United Artists, these Bob Benjamin and uh, Howard Krim, these two old guys who were in New York. And so they're watching the movie, right? They're like forty five minutes into it, and the whole way they think they think that Perry King is Sylvester Stallone because none of these guys are stars, Mark. They're watching to see if they believe this carrot this actor can carry a film. And so they're watching Perry King. They're not watching Stallone. They think Perry King is Stallone, and their only question is he he's appealing he's he's really good um but I've never heard of blonde Italians. And Mike Metaboy <laughs> actually told the guys, oh, in Northern Italy, it's all blonde Italians. It's, <laughs> that's how they got Sylvester Stallone approved. For that was the Lords of Blackbush and Perry King, not Sylvester Stallone. It's And then when they saw the movie, they're like, wait a minute. That's not the guy we approved.
1: So, <laughs>
0: anyway, everything's a million to one shot until you win. And yep. uh, It's just <laughs> interesting how how things come up, you know, and you look back on them and you think pretty much happenstance, you know, something happened and changes the course of a person's life. And that affects, it's the butterfly effect. How many things that one small little thing affects you, it affects everybody else. And I'm wondering now, we have an election coming up and I'm curious, I'm seriously concerned that they're going to, they being these idiots in charge are going to try to pull us uh, the bull over our eyes again. I believe they're already doing it. You know, the best laid plans of mice and men, they've been letting terrorists over our border forever, Mark.
1: Yeah. I, I was talking with, uh, my mom yesterday, coordinating some, oh, her visits, birthday, some appointments how was did. it? Oh, her birthday was fine. It was kind of a drizzly day. She stayed in the yeah. house and read her books and watched news on TV. And that was <laughs> the thing was that I checked on her in the afternoon. How's your day been? And yeah. she said, oh, I've just been sitting here watching news all day and all the stuff going on in Israel. <laughs> I said, you know, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I get up in the morning and I talk about this stuff and I I skim I scan the news and I see what's going on and I find some topics of interest just you know little things for us and you, you we both do the same thing we pull stuff mm-hmm. in and we we talk about things that are points of interest and but I'm not watching the news because I know what's going on and I already know a year from now they will use all of this to misdirect us it's in some way shape or form you know that all of this unrest. Is is there for a reason? Because unrest keeps people unsettled, and people who are unsettled are afraid, and they want the government to help. And the 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 politicians are all going to be parading out there saying, "I'm the guy to best help you through this crisis." And I know that's exactly what's happening. That's the that is the reason we have we have these kind of things happening. Politicians love a good war because it distracts the people. The people aren't watching what the, you know, the all of the junk the politicians are actually doing, the, the hijinks they're actually up to. And it gives the people something to worry about and the politicians something to make promises about. Yeah. And it's 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 sickening. It's sad. But that's the that's the nature of it. That's how it works. And these guys are going to use all of this conflict to their advantage in the coming year because we have an election coming up. And those in power will use it any way they can to keep their hands on all the power. It, it, I know that's what's going on. So I'm not watching all this stuff as it plays out. I don't want to watch it play out because all it does is feed the anxiety and fear. It's, it's better just to get a... <laughs> It's better to pretend it was 50 years ago and you're getting a daily dose of information out of the evening paper, right? (laughs) When you're just getting a little bit of information instead of being having this stuff poured at you constantly, constantly pouring into your head and keeping your brain occupied with all of this horror that's going on in the fear. You can know what's happening without being inundated by it all the time. So step away. Just Go check on it, see what's happening. If you need to, and then step away. You have a life to live. Don't let mm-hmm. it consume you, because that's what the politicians love. They want you to be consumed by it and be afraid, so they can offer to be your hero. That's that was the thing. So
0: just got to remember that the uh, countries when they go to war actually have to borrow money, and they all borrow it from the same bankers. You know, so the people yeah. who get rich are the bankers, and who are the bankers? They're the Democrat politicians for the most part. Some Republicans spread in there, and then you've got all over the world. And by the way, um, what's happening in the Middle East, uh, a reminder that Trump was the one who defunded Palestinians, Trump. but also, um, you haven't heard much about, uh, the Ukraine lately. Uh, so, you know, it, it's funny like, how that disappeared. Yeah. And, and Hunter Biden, you yeah. know, as they were breaking that one down, we don't hear about that anymore either. Those two big things, but the Hunter Biden thing that has been bothering me since they found the crack pipe in the rented car, uh, that has bothered it, you know, that bothered me when it happened because he didn't get any coverage. And my problem with it was you've got the vice president at the time of the United States of America with a son who's out of control, who they have to protect him. You know, he is family. The reason secret service protects families of the leaders is because they are at risk. They can be used as pawns. And this guy's in crack houses and, you know, renting cars and leaving important stuff behind. And this is not worth protecting. Again, that's what bothered me then. And it bothers me even more now that people who claim to be journalists, who go on the offensive on a daily basis, claiming that Republicans are off the rails and are crazy and are racist and misogynistic, claiming all of these crazy things, the whole, do you still beat your wife routine? Mm -hmm. And yet they won't do anything about, because they are the ones that put Biden in office. And i'm just i'm done with it i don't know how to i again every time i say i don't know how to fix it i know how to fix it it's just what is the reality that will ever get to be fixed and i don't have that power i don't have i don't have that microphone i didn't win a billion dollars in the lottery last night you know yeah because and by the way neither did the other however many millions of people that bought tickets only one person won the billion which is cool but those odds are not the kind of odds you want to build your life on This is your captain. We are going to be experiencing some slight turbulence. Please fasten your, oh, hold on. Just got a video of my cat. Imagine the pilot of an airplane was as confident as you are texting and driving. Seems kind of crazy when you put it like that. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. You know, I've mentioned this a couple of times about the Trump being the only president to make right. uh, major funding cuts to Palestinians over terror. And uh, Mark's the one that actually pointed that out. I, that really hit me hard when I saw that, uh, yeah. that you'd put that in the stuff because I didn't know that. I, yeah. I just, it's, why would you know? I, I mean, and if you didn't know it, who does, right? I know. Who does know? No. Because, I just know it's like a lot of things you and I see every day. You know, you'll mention
1: things to me I haven't heard of. Right. But on that yeah, one, that's like a the, pretty big thing like executing babies yesterday. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's, it's, Hamas is evil. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Anyway, but- um, president Donald Trump was the first U S president to cut aid to the Palestinians because of concerns about subsidies that the Palestinian authority pays to terrorists and their families. What critics have called the pay to slay program. Hmm. U.S. direct aid to the Palestinians dates to the 1990s when the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO, that's those are initials that we were very familiar with for quite a while, right? You just don't hear about the PLO anymore. They were formerly considered a terror group. They signed the Oslo Peace Accords with Israel. U.S. aid for the PA, uh totaled about 5 billion from 1994 to 2018 according to the congressional records Sur- uh, research service the us also gave about 6 billion from 1950 to 2018 to the united nations relief and works agency a special agency that deals only with palestinian quote refugees and quote most of whom have not been refugees for generations you know, that's one of the things that they, they talk about in European nations. Now, if you watch the news, you see they're, they have all these refugees coming in, and they're having to make room for them, and they're, they're accommodating them. They're not refugees. Those people are not refugees. They're all military age, mostly male. And in some places in European cities, which used to be destinations for people to go to to see, there are places you'd better not go. The police won't even go to because of the <clears throat> refugees. Yeah. But President George W. Bush began shifting aid away from Gaza to the West Bank, known in Israel as Judea and Samaria, after Hamas won parliamentary elections, defeating the supposedly moderate Fatah faction, which also, by the way, supports anti-Israel terror. President Barack Obama trimmed aid to the Palestinians after the PA broke various commitments, but he gave a $221 million to the Palestinians in his final hours in office. He also pledged nearly a billion to rebuild Gaza after Hamas triggered the 2008-2009 war. What a guy. No administration until Trump made major cuts to Palestinian aid for fear of destabilizing the Palestinian Authority. But after Trump signed the Taylor Force Act in 2018, which prevents U.S. taxpayer funds from going to the Palestinian Authority while it still supports pay to slay, funds to the PA declined dramatically. Trump also cut funds to the UNRWA and publicly threatened to aid aid. Uh, threatened aid to the Palestinians generally. Trump cut half a billion dollars in aid to the Palestinians in 2018 alone and over 100 million in funding to the UNRWA. In 2020, Trump's peace plan for the Middle East offered the Palestinians 50 billion if they made peace with Israel. They refused.
0: Of course they did.
1: Yeah. I, I, it's just. And there's a lot more to it. This will be in the show notes today, by the way, if you would like to, to read more. The, uh, the point is that all of these other presidents, all of these other presidents have, have been funding terrorism by trying to placate yep. Hamas and the Palestinian Authority, by giving them money to, oh, we're going to help you rebuild. We're going to help you get your people settled. We're going to help this. Be nice and play nice. We're going to help fund everything you need. And those people don't take that money and do what they say they're going to do with it. What they do is they they fund terrorism. Um, For example, on Tuesday, the mother of one of the hundreds of young people killed by Hamas terrorists at a trance music festival in southern Israel spoke out against giving aid to Palestinian groups, even for humanitarian purposes. She told MSNBC. Quote, every dollar you give to Hamas, every dollar you put there goes to terror. It doesn't go to the poor Arab people that live in Gaza. They could have turned this place into paradise if they'd invest the billions they got from the EU and other organizations. If they invested it into the people of Gaza instead of bombs and focusing on how to get rid of as many Jews, Israelis as possible, there might have been peace. The only thing I can compare these monsters, these inhuman beings are, is the Nazis. Hmm. And she's right. Wow man. You know,
0: Mark, looking at how Biden reversed you know the Trump decisions. This is why it matters. You know, because you have an administration that made this all happen. And then and then we act shocked. You know, when it's they lie all the time. Politicians lie by nature. I mean, that's just who they are. You just gotta pick the liar that you you know, that you can believe in, I guess. I mean, I'm really at a loss at at the way this has all gone down. When you look at um it was I'm trying to remember which one it was it was Marsha Blackburn in Tennessee. Um it's just a senator in Tennessee. I'm just okay. okay anyway, um she suggested, okay, that the decision to provide the two hundred and thirty five million in aid, you know, to mm-hmm. the Palestinians was how this all came about. She's pointing to that moment in twenty twenty one As the time they started the planning process for this attack, because it didn't just they didn't just wake up and go, oh, time to bomb the Jews. They didn't, you know, they've been doing this for a while, but it's been nitpicky little things that have just been happening daily. And then they went all in, you know, the big extravaganza. And I think it was her. I have to look it up later on because she was actually pointing to this. And, you know, if you point to the truth, um, you're going to get a finger cut off. You have to bring out a sledgehammer with a whole bunch of other people with sledgehammers. If you're going to speak the truth like that because you point your bony finger of righteous indignation at these idiots and they just chop your fingers off. Yeah. So You, you, you have a nub and, and then you start figuring out, well, how am I going to open up my ketchup bottle now? I got to get somebody <laughs> to help me. You know, <laughs> that's what we're yeah, left with. Yeah, and you, you're, it, you're it right. ends up, the whole thing ends up being, what can I do? Is it really, why are we, I mean, life is short. Really? Life is so short. Do you really want to trust anything to people who aspire to spend every waking moment, Trying to find ways to screw the world. Is that mm. who you really want? I mean, I didn't join the mafia. I'm not Italian, but I didn't join whatever mafia my mutt background could get into. You know, mm. it's a choice. I could have been that kind of criminal. I didn't because I didn't want that path. I wanted a different path for life. Yeah. These people choose politics as a career, which is why they don't like Trump. He didn't choose politics as a career. Right. Granted, he didn't really choose a career. His dad handed him millions of dollars to <laughs> here go play, you know, that's true. And when you but get in he, trouble, I am going to bail you out some more. Yeah,
1: but by and large, he has been, he has been successful. Yes, yeah, very successful. Very, very successful. He's, he has learned some great lessons from his father and and from his life in the business world. And well, he, 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 knows, he knows what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. That's what I want to get at. And these As people in Washington, D.C., they have no idea what works nope. and what doesn't work because they don't live in the real world. They live you in D.C.
0: The one thing that really burned Trump in the 90s Um, And after that, and it was played up like it was an ego thing, but it was comments by comedians. And this is really Rosie O'Donnell about him filing bankruptcy. And he's been very territorial about that. And the reason is not true. Um, He owns, his name is on a bunch of different companies, like 200 different businesses. yeah. Yeah. And companies go through ups and downs. And sometimes in order to refinance things, to get into a, you know, to manage your assets properly, you do file a bankruptcy protection. You file with the court with your company. You restructure things so that you can pay back the the debtor, the lenders. And that's what he has done several times. But there was one time in the early, or it was mid-90s right after the Art of the Deal came out, and he really went through a bad time. And Trump actually took all of his assets. He had some that there was one building in particular was in Chicago, and it was only about 15% complete. It had a huge upside. but It was going to be a few years down the road and it had a lot of debt. It was a real issue. So he took that project and spun it off, sold it to create a little liquidity using this. He was able to pay down some other things, selling off a couple other properties, some that people couldn't understand why he made some moves, but it ended up, they all made sense in the end kind of thing. And he used his assets to dig his way out of the hole. Granted, When bank, when companies file bankruptcy, a lot of times small businesses get hurt. And I will tell you that the Trump stuff that happened in Atlantic city when he was trying to build up his footprint there on gambling, everybody knows a casino is a license to print money. Um, well Trump's printer broke, you know, and uh, (laughs) it it went south. And the reason it went south is because Las Vegas during the same time Atlantic city was on its big surge in the nineties. Uh, with Trump and others spending a lot of money there well Las Vegas what happened there they were t- tearing down hundred million dollar casinos to build 500 million dollar casinos and they were tearing down 500 million to build two billion dollar I mean they were right. that's why Vegas owned it they knew Vegas yeah. knew they were really close to losing out to you know Atlantic City so they dug in and boom Atlantic City became really a minor league Vegas yeah, yeah. but Trump took a big hit there and vendors people who did a lot of the work I'm talking about the people who put windows in buildings, um, those small businesses that were owned locally in Jersey and served a lot of them were really hit hard by Trump's decisions. But those things happen every day in business. I'm okay. not justifying it. I feel horrible for them. I do. They didn't deserve that, but that's business. You know, yeah. you, you, it happens. Yep. And it's going to happen today where I live, where you live. A business is going to fold and try to save whatever they can. And people are going to get financially hurt. Yep, that's business. And that's what he did. So Trump dug his way out of the hole. I point that out because he really does get mad when people talk about bankruptcy. Like he just, you know, when uh, they yeah. use it as a, a hammer. Yeah. And I just, again, politicians don't like him because he, he's not one of them. Yep, I get it. The media gets mad at him because he calls them out. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't like it. And look, his bedside manner is lacking, you know? Yeah, yeah. It really is. And his hyperbole is a little overused.
1: And the problem is that we have gotten used to politicians with a certain look and feel, right? We've gotten used to a certain image. It's comfortable for us. Yeah. And that's only because of mass media that we've gotten comfortable with a certain political Feeling right? That's a good point. Very good point. It, you know, and because, and you and I both, we've talked about the days back before there was instantaneous news. Yeah. There were presidents who would say things and do things that, if they did that today, would oh. never get reelected, right? Oh. But if they got reelected again and again because nobody knew about the their rough side, right? Yeah, <laughs> because the news just didn't, you know, it just didn't travel like it does right. today right? And they had to focus on other things which were of of much greater importance in those days because they had a certain amount of of, uh, space in print that they could use and and the like. So you didn't have this 24-hour instantaneous news cycle you have today that they're constantly trying to fill. So they're talking about the warts on his backside. They're talking about everything, you know what I mean? Everything. And that didn't happen before. So now we have a certain expectation of what a statesman should be what something statesmanlike is and is not and well, you know that's an image mark- that's not it's not real it's made
0: right. up just remember fdr was never pictured in his wheelchair the media no. had pictures they had movies they you know they had b-roll yes. footage he was constantly in the news because of world war ii and in the time leading up to it there were plenty of opportunities for those who didn't like him to show him in a very weakened state but the news organizations didn't believe that was good for the U.S. Right. So he was never shown there. He was always shown in a, you know, even at, at a press conference, even during, remember the, like when they met, uh, between Churchill and, uh, Stalin, uh, and, uh, and, uh, the allies met, they always showed the meeting taking place outside with everybody shaking hands and he's sitting down or leaning on something, you know? Yeah. They protected the image. Now they yep. thrive to trash the image of even a good person,
1: unless he is in their political corner, as we're watching yeah. happen today. I mean, you've got a guy who's clearly, clearly incompetent and should not be in the Oval Office, and the rest of his incompetent in every- general, incompetent that's exactly- and incontinent. That- <laughs> And I think on that note, we can probably we can probably uh, close the door for the day, so to speak. <laughs> and so, make sure to go by markandmagshow.com, Check out the show notes. Uh, send your friends there. Get them signed up to s- subscribe to the podcast. And join us back here again tomorrow. We never walked on the moon. Elvis ain't dead. You ain't going crazy. It's all in your head.
0: In your-